What's happening, everybody? Brimo here with another episode of Shudder and Slate. And I am excited because I got my friend Brianna Roberts here. She is an actor, voice actor, talent agent, and my former college classmate. What's up, Brianna? How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. Me too. Me too. It's been such a long time. Yes, it has. A lot has happened. I'm trying to think. Has it been? Uh, let's see. 2012 is when I graduated. So gosh, it's been 10 years since since the college days. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> Time flies. For it does. Sure. We've both gone on to do quite a bit during those 10 years. Quite a bit. Absolutely. Let's talk about your acting journey, though. I think we were in some plays together at Sagu as well. I think I think we did some drama stuff together while we were there. So you yeah, I think yeah, I think we did do some. We did a Southwestern Live, I think was one of them, which was like a sketch comedy show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And were you in Inherit the Wind also? I was not. I only did one play when I was there. Um, and then of course got saturated and working in the media department. So I didn't do theater as much during that time after about my first school year. Got it. Got it. Okay. So when did you kind of start getting into acting? How did that all come about? Well, I have done theater acting since I was just a wee little thing, just just a little sprout of a kid. Uh, did it a lot. Um, our church had a lot of theater that we did. And then I got involved with a theater company in Houston called Center Stage Theater Company and did a lot there. Um, then when I went to college, I did a few shows, but then I focused more on my education in film and TV production during that time. So I didn't really do any after my first year. And then I want to say I started doing theater again fairly soon after I graduated college, Um, but I didn't actually start doing voice acting until 2013. I was working uh, as a producer at a small production company, and we were doing an original animation project. And like uh, most small production companies, usually on a really tight budget, and we needed some voice acting, obviously, for this original animation project. And my boss was like, hey, Brianna, you're an actor. You should just voice this. I was like, okay. So I did. (laughs) And I jumped in the booth and I ended up voicing that character for that little series for like five years. Uh, But my first experience in the booth doing that for those first few episodes, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I love this so much. I need to learn more about this niche of the acting industry. And so from that, I just began taking classes that were specific to voice acting. Um, I also took a lot of just general acting classes as well, well, because obviously voice acting is first and foremost acting. So all rules of acting apply when it comes to character development. Um, And just really uh, went from there. I've been doing that now, like I said, since 2013 and have gone on to be in video games. And really what my bread and butter is now is I dub anime into English. So that's probably where most of my work is now. That is awesome. I know I've got some anime fans that listen to this podcast. So <laughs> which ones Which ones have you done, if you're allowed to say? Oh my gosh. Um, if you check out my IMDb page, you'll see that I've been in lots and lots and lots and lots of shows. Um, I mostly make my living being moms. Um, hashtag Animom (laughs) is me. Um, But I've also had some opportunities to play a lot of characters, other characters that aren't just moms. I'm Captain Kaiko Huang in Fire Force. That's a big one. I'm Grammy in Fairy Tale, which she is a mom. Um, I am Maeve Hoshisato in Hatsuna Illusion. Again, 
mom. <laughs> Yuriko Sumura and Smile Down the Runway, a mom. I'm Galette in One Piece. And most recently, I am Abra in Smile of the Ars Notoria, which is streaming on Crunchyroll right now. That is amazing and super impressive. Wow, I'm in the midst of a celebrity, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, how are you getting these roles? Is it because you have, uh, uh, what's it called? You have a manager and you're like, you know, booking roles that way or how, how does this kind of come about? So I have representation, I have an agent and that's how I've booked all of my um, commercial or video game gigs is through auditions I received from my agent. Uh, Crunchyroll works a little bit differently from uh, just open casting calls, basically. It's Funimation slash Crunchyroll. They recently merged, so they're the same company. So if I flip between the two and say Funimation one time and Crunchyroll another, they're the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you uh, Originally, you get onto their roster of actors, and it can be a challenge to get onto the roster initially because you have to have experience, you have to have a director who calls you in, and you generally start out doing bits and Walla, which while, of course, is background voices and bits are just, you know, Uh, waitress 1a or something like that that you voice so you'll spend time doing that learning the format because dubbing is a specific skill set that you have to learn since it's not prelay or original animation you're having to match sounding believable of what you are saying matching what you animation so Definitely an acquired skill takes time to learn. And the best way to do that is taking class and of course then getting experience doing bits and wallets. Um, so I on the roster, I'm trying to remember when I first started working with them. I think it was 2018. Some somewhere, somewhere in that general, maybe it was 2017. I can't remember exactly. Uh, but I started working with their studio. And then once you're on their roster, then you get the auditions from the directors within the studio itself. Uh, So that's why you see a lot of the same actors who circulate between doing a lot of the anime uh, that comes out of Crunchyroll. Uh, It's just easier and faster to have actors who are experienced and on the roster and already have their contract. And so uh, you are a contract worker, you're not an employee, but you're just kind of on the rotation and you you do auditions and everything. So hopefully that makes sense without getting too convoluted in the way it all works. (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I mean, obviously they're going to want to keep working with the same people that they know can already do the skills. So that, that totally makes sense. And that's really cool that you're, you were able to get in there as well. Again, I have anime fans that are going to be like, oh my gosh, like so excited (laughs) to hear (laughs) kind of how all that went down. Um, Because I have a few friends that are trying to get into voice actor work as well. So I think that is a lot of good advice. So thank you for telling us kind of how it all came about oh yeah no problem it's a lot of fun it's a long haul uh career so if you're wanting to do it don't give up be willing to do the work and take the time to get the training uh take the classes don't give up keep pushing get working at getting your representation um it took me a long time even having an agent it still took me about five years to get in with Crunchyroll so you know it just takes time and a lot of it is just a numbers game and eventually it'll work out if you just keep pushing but you got to be willing to keep pushing and not give up in the face of rejection because there is way more rejection on auditions than things you book that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah just the entertainment industry in general you're going to hear a lot of no's Yes, a lot of no's. I have done well over a thousand auditions at this point in my career, well over a thousand. And I have booked the teeniest percentage of those. 
Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that completely. So you actually are unique because you've been, you know, in the actor role, but you've also been in the talent agent role. Mm -hmm. And that's got to be interesting as well, because you kind of see the process and, you know, what agencies are looking for. So kind of tell us a little bit about, about that journey as well. Yeah, absolutely. So when I was working at the production company out of college as a producer, um, I started my voice acting journey on the side doing classes and things like that, but I was still pursuing my degree in the production world, or my degree, my career in the production world as well. Um, And working at the studio, I really found that my favorite part of it was working with actors. And I considered, okay, so what niches within the industry are specific to working with the actors? And of course, the first two that generally come to mind are a casting director or a talent agent. And uh, talent agent skill set just seemed to fit more my personality, things that I'm good at, and the parts of the process that I liked. So I just reached out literally to all of the agents in the DFW area, which is where I was living, and uh, just sent them my resume, told them I had really researched that part of the industry and was very passionate and excited to kind of break into it. Uh, Little did I know at the time, because ignorance is bliss, uh, how few and far between those jobs are. Agencies are generally small with a very small staff and there's not really turnover. People become an agent and then they stay there for a very, very long time, sometimes the full duration of their career. Um, So unless an agency is expanding, it's really hard to get in unless you're going to start your own, which is a whole other, a whole (laughs) other thing. Um, But I remember I did have several agencies get back to me. They were excited that somebody was excited about doing what they do because agents don't really get a lot of attention in what they have to offer to the whole process of uh, production. And so I had some meetings with some just to talk about the industry in general. And a couple offered me some uh, jobs that weren't exactly as being an agent, but they were still working in their office. But uh, Linda McAllister Talent was one I had a meeting with, and it just was exact right, perfect timing, which as we know in this industry, a lot of it is just literally when you happen to luck into perfect timing. And their commercial agent, uh, or at that time, we weren't divided into divisions. So let me retract that. She wasn't specifically the commercial agent yet. All agents were working on all projects at that point, but she was going on maternity leave and it was going to be just within a few weeks of when I had reached out to Linda and did my interview. So it just worked out just right uh, for me to come on to staff during that time. And I started out as an assistant and worked on commercials and on film and TV. After maybe about a year there, we decided to split the roster into a commercial division and a film and TV division. At that point, that's when Molly, who had been on maternity leave, she's back now, she became the official commercial agent of Linda McAllister Talent. And I took over the film and TV roster as the agent for the South Central region out of our Texas office. So I did that for several years, uh, really, really loved it. I took some time away from that after a few years to work a little bit more on my voice acting career. And I also was working as a managing director at a theater during that time. And then the pandemic happened and theater was, you know, went away for a while. (laughs) And during that time, I stayed with the theater for a little while, but it just Obviously things really changed during that season for that industry. And Linda approached me. She didn't know that I was looking for another job at that time, uh, but she approached me and asked if I wanted to come back 
uh, on staff. And I was like, uh, yes, I do. And little do you know that I was actually very much looking for another position <laughs> right now. Uh, so again, things just worked out in perfect timing. So I am back with the talent agency. This time I'm working in the commercial division uh, instead of film and TV. So I've now had experiences on both sides of the spectrum because commercial and film and TV are very, very different. That is for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I've seen the bookings and things for commercials and film and stuff, and it's it's all crazy. <laughs> but that's great that you have experience in both. As a talent agent, kind of tell us what you have to do, because obviously you have to find bookings for your, you know, your people. Like you have to get them roles because that's that's what a talent agent does. So kind of what goes into that? You know, are you looking at websites constantly and finding gigs or are people reaching out to you? Like kind of how do, how does that work? It's some of both. So as an agent, you represent the actor. So we are kind of like the liaison between an actor and casting or production. Uh, we're kind of the middleman between that, that puts together what casting is looking for with what actors fit what they are seeking. Uh, so we do have productions that reach out to us directly. They'll send us their breakdown with their character descriptions and, you know, the rate or if it's a commercial, the usage for the commercial. And then if we agree to the terms, specifically more so when it comes to commercial, then we will send them links to the profiles of actors that we have that fit what they are looking for. There are also the primary casting sites that most big productions use. And they submit their breakdowns to these casting sites, which the agents uh, have access to. On some of the sites, actors have access to those breakdowns if the casting agent released it to both sides, both sides, meaning the actor side and the agent side of the website. But most big productions are only going to be released to agents because productions are only interested in seeing actors who have representation because again, that kind of works as a filter for production because there are lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of actors out there. And generally if one has an agent, then that means they have reached some degree of training within their career already. So we're a good filter for them to be looking at talent that just already has some experience. So that's why a lot of uh, productions and casting offices choose to go through an agent and not just open it up to the wide world of people to submit freely. Um, so we will generally, some of those websites and you, you guys are welcome to look into them and set up profiles. So then when you get an agent, you can be ready to go and you just link your profile to their Actors Access is the main used for film and television. So definitely look into Actors Access. And the primary one that's used for commercial is called Casting Networks. Though you will see projects for both commercial and film and TV on either of them. They both have their predominant uh, type of projects that appear on them. Um, so we'll submit actors based on what casting is looking for. Then if casting requests people for auditions, we coordinate and facilitate the communication between casting and the actor for the audition. We'll help schedule or organize auditions if it's in person, which everything right now is mostly still digital because of the pandemic. And then if they book something, that's really where an agent comes uh, into play on being in your corner to make sure that the contract that you are signing is to your benefit and really understands the jargon that is in the contract to make sure well, that you don't get screwed over, which happens. Uh, so that's a little bit of what an agent does. Hopefully that makes sense. 
Absolutely. No, thank you for telling us. Because some people know, some people don't, you know, especially mm-hmm. those that don't have representation. They're like, well, what's the benefit of having a manager? You know, mm-hmm. like, I know a lot of people want it, but like, what's the benefit of having a manager? And I think you kind of broke that down for us really well. You know, they have they have their back, basically. They're going to help mm-hmm. you get good roles and make sure you don't get screwed over, like you said, because nobody wants that. <laughs> right. we, we want the best for our actors. And that's part of being an agent, too, is you have to have your actor's best interest in mind when you're negotiating contracts. It's I, Some people are a little bit more familiar with how a real estate agent works. And it is very similar in that you have someone who is expert, has expertise and knowledge in these specific types of contracts and representation, and they have your best interest in heart. They want it to be a win-win. Obviously you want production to be happy and you want the actor to be happy, but as your agent, it's our job to make sure that you are taken care of as our actor that we're representing. That makes sense. So as an agent and you're signing new actors all the time, of course, what are you looking for specifically? Because obviously every agency doesn't take every actor. So what do you guys really look for when you're deciding to take someone on or not? Uh, Now that we're in, I say now, uh, Linda McAllister Talent has been around for almost 30 years and our roster is established. So since we have an established roster of actors, we look to fill gaps when we have them. So say we're needing more men of this age, or we need more teenagers of this age, or we need people who look like this, or we need someone who can, we need more character actors, that type of thing. Then we'll go and we'll search our submissions email, trying to find something specific to where we have a gap in our roster, be it we're seeing more increase in productions needing this type of actor, or we dropped somebody from the roster because they weren't meeting their end of the bargain. Um, or somebody left, people will go to other agencies just to try out other relationships. Not all agents are a good fit for all actors, and that's fine. That's just part of the business. Um, But also, we will take recommendations. So uh, a good way to get in with a lot of agencies, because, for example, our submissions email has 4,000 submissions in it right now. People seeking representation. That's a lot. Yeah. So a good way to get in with an agency, especially if you don't have a lot of professional experience yet, is to have a letter of recommendation from a coach who is known and established in the community. So if you are studying with a coach in the area uh, that is reputable, any of the agents are going to know when your coach feels that you are ready for representation, they will send a letter of recommendation to the agent that you're seeking representation with saying, hey, I have trained this person for this many years. They're reliable. They show up on time. They're a go-getter. I can give you my recommendation that you won't be disappointed if you sign them. And then it still comes down to, do we have a place for them on the roster for what we need? Because you don't want to be representing too many people of the same look or the same sound or the same this or the same that. Um, So that's just first even getting noticed on the email front of the submission. So then once you have those elements, what are we looking at when we are trying to decide, do we want to sign this person besides just, do we have a place for them on our roster? One, if you're an on-camera actor, you absolutely 100% must have a demo reel. You cannot not have a demo reel. We won't even consider you if you don't have one. in this digital age, we just have to be able to see what you can do. Even if you don't have professional work yet to put on your demo reel, you can put super awesome auditions that you've knocked out of the park or worked on in your class with your coach. You can put those on a demo reel. Just make sure 
here's a quick uh, little tip. If you are using audition material for your reel, make sure that project has already aired or been released. So you're not giving a spoiler or broken some NDA. Um, so let's say you had an audition for NCIS or something, for whatever reason you had decides to do that. Don't go sending your audition for that for an episode that hasn't aired yet, even though you're not going to be on it. Just make sure that the material's out there, the world knows that episode, knows who's in it, just to make sure you don't break an NDA. But you can use auditions for demo reels is what I'm saying. Um, obviously, you have to have professional headshots. And we mean professional headshots, not something you think that you could take on your iPhone in your backyard or with your little home studio lighting. We can tell the difference and so can casting. So unless you yourself are a photographer, you need to have professional quality headshots. Um, because if you're not a professional photographer, you won't necessarily know what you're looking like. If you take your own picture, be like, man, I did pretty good. That looks professional. But a professional <laughs> will know that it's not a professional headshot. <laughs> so that's important. And of course, you need to have your resume. And even if you don't have a lot of professional work that you book, you need to have all of your training on there, anything applicable, including theater, uh, for us to look at and see. And make sure that things are formatted correctly and spelled correctly. You would be shocked at how often we have people submit with poor spelling and grammar, which is not a great first foot forward. No. So, and those, so in general, those are the things that we are looking for. And the first things that'll give you away as someone who is not ready to enter the industry is if you don't have a demo reel, don't have professional headshots or have misspelled or misformatted things in your resume. <laughs> <laughs> those are definitely easy fixes guys. So make sure you get those things together when you're looking for a, a manager and agent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> When it comes to demo reels, you know, I've heard different things about like uh, length and, you know, variety and things like that. And sometimes people have demo reels for comedy or for um, drama or things like that. So when you guys are looking at demo reels, do you look for like a certain length? Would you rather it be like under three minutes or something along those lines? Or is it kind of just like whatever? Um, each agency might have something specific. So if you're submitting to an agency, be sure you look at their website and see if they specify what they want you to send them. They might say, don't send us anything over a minute. Uh, so make sure you read what they are requesting before you contact them. Because uh, that's also a surefire way to get deleted is for them to see that you didn't take the time to read the information that they put out there. Then they're gonna know you're not gonna listen or read the information that we send in auditions. So read everything and make sure you follow those instructions. Um, I would say in general, when you are submitting, make sure you have a demo reel that is only around a minute. Uh, you can call it a speed reel if you want to. Um, you can either focus it on uh, drama or comedy, or you can do a mix of both but it really needs to just be no more than a minute because it, the same goes for casting. So when we submit to a project and we send through everybody's profiles, they want to quickly, if they're not familiar with you, just be able to look and see what you can do. And if they see a one minute video, well, they might watch that from start to finish. If they open a video and see that it's six minutes long, they might not even watch the first five seconds of it. They just, on they go. But then what is a great idea to have is your one minute reel on there that people can watch if they're just looking for something short. And then you can have extended reels as well. So if say you have this scene from this short film that you did and you did awesome, you love that scene, you know it really shows you off, but you need to see more of it for context. 
then you can also have that as a separate clip that if they watch your speed reel and are like, mm, give me more, then they can go and watch your longer clips. But you need to have the shorter one first and then have those as supplemental reels if you have the material for it. So that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, with people's attention spans, they're not going to sit there for <laughs> minutes. Right. <laughs> right. Especially if they're looking through a lot of actors. I totally get that as someone who's casted before. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally get that. Thank you so much for all of this knowledge and for, you know, um, giving us all of these tips and things like that. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. I'm happy that all this knowledge in my head can go somewhere to use. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So before we get off today, what advice would you give those just kind of starting out, maybe um, new actors starting out in the industry, wanting to get their feet wet, you know, getting excited about all of this stuff? Like what advice would you give them? Um, you have to be committed and you have to do it because you love it and not be doing it for validation from other people. Because like I said earlier, you will literally in the course of your career, if you stick it out for the long haul, do hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of auditions that go nowhere. But you have to look at your auditions as opportunities to learn and to grow. So if you go into an audition and you do it and you're like, I have to book this, I have to book this, I have to book this, ah, it has a book and drive your did you do audition, have fun with it, enjoy the process of creating B character and submit that audition to cast or your agent or wherever, and then just put it from your brain and say, huh, that, that was fun to play that character and to be them for a little while. Now I'm going to move on and do other things because you will drive yourself crazy if you are constantly worrying about, did I book it? Did I book it? Did I book it? And you also have to just for not give up don't give up if you need to take this and you keep representation and taking opportunities and you're still you're just not getting it you're just not getting it but you know this is what you want to do then it is numbers game a lot of times it is just being in the right place at the right time talking to the right person at the right time you happened to submit to an agent the week that they had a gap to fill on their roster that fits what you are it really is just a numbers game. So you just have to keep going at it. Just be patient while you're in the process of waiting. Just keep honing your craft, taking classes, getting better at what you're doing and just enjoy the process. Love it. That is awesome advice. And I second all of that. <laughs> Being in the entertainment industry, there's a lot of no's and a lot of frustrations. And, and you can definitely get yourself down if you focus so much on, man, I needed this so much, you know? And it's like, don't worry about that. Like, just truly have fun with it because that's that's how you keep in this game. You, you remember why you love it so much in the first place. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I think for a lot of us, it gets down to the fact that we are artists in our heart, whatever type of art it may be. Maybe it's filmmaking as a cinematographer, as a producer, um, or maybe it is acting, or maybe it is being that awesome production coordinator behind the scenes. Whatever it is, you have art in your heart. <laughs> that rhymes, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's there and that's what feeds your creative soul. And that's what you have to remember when things get hard, when you're sad, when you feel like uh, this is never going to happen. You have to remember why you're doing it. 
and just keep pursuing that part of your passion and the rest will fall into place if you work hard and be a nice person to work with (laughs) then it'll fall into place eventually when the numbers are right absolutely i love that so much before i let you go what is your favorite movie (gasps) my favorite movie oh no (laughs) so many um Okay, for rewatch value, we'll say that. What movie could I watch again and again and again and still love it? It would have to be the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh man, that is a great trilogy for sure. (laughs) I remember seeing those in theaters and being like, oh my gosh, these are so good. (laughs) They're they're timeless. They're wonderful. You could watch it, you know, 20 years ago when it came out, 20 years from now, and they will still look amazing. And the story will be amazing. So that's my pick. Love it. Well, thank you again so much, Brianna, for being on here and for dropping your wisdom. I know everybody really appreciates it. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for letting me yammer and talk and, you know, speak 60 miles per hour. Hopefully y'all were able to decipher some of the words that I said. (laughs) (laughs) You're good. You're good. Your voice acting, you know, training did you well. So you're good. (laughs) 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 Got to represent, you know. Well, guys, don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you on the next one. Have a good one.